0: So what are some of your favorite TV families? Now, some of you uh, grew up with the Cleavers from Leave it to Beaver, a great little family. Maybe you grew up with uh, the the Bradys from the Brady Bunch, right? Uh, Maybe you grew up with the Winslows and Steve Urkel uh, here with the the Family Matters uh, TV show. And what's not to love about Will Smith and the Banks family from Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, right? And of course, maybe the most accurate depiction of family uh, on the small screen has come from uh, the bronze of Everybody Loves Raymond, right? It seems like they really hit the nail on the head in too many accurate ways, it seems like, with that. But anyway, TV can characterize for us what it looks like to have a really perfect and put-together family. While others seem to have kind of this knack for putting the diss and dysfunctional uh, at times. And no matter what your family's background though, the truth is that family life is sometimes really difficult. Uh, We don't get to pick our family. We're stuck with them. But that doesn't mean that that's necessarily a bad thing. And so this morning, what we're going to talk about is that family matters enough for us to be engaged. So good morning. My name is Sonny Upton. I'm one of the pastors here at our South Haven campus of Getwell Church. Glad that you have carved out time to be with us this morning as we worship together. And if you're our guest, we're so glad that you are here as well. Hope you find a warm day. Today we're beginning a new message series called Family Matters and the hope of this series is that throughout the course of this month as we gather together with our families as the the holiday season begins that we would begin to see and understand God's desired design for our families that it wouldn't just be something that we conjure up or something that we just go oh it's just going to be what it's going to be but instead we would we would lean into pursue more of what Jesus wants for us and our families and so over the course of this month We're gonna look at things like today. Uh, What does it look like for us to be engaged and we're gonna look at next week What does it mean for us to forgive then we're gonna look at what it means to give thanks for our family? And then finally we're gonna wrap up the series by understanding uh, what it means for us to have healthy boundaries uh, With our family. So you're not gonna miss out on this series Uh, Invite your family and your friends to come join us for this month now. No shock is that our families come with lots of different personalities, right? And especially whenever they're all under the same roof, it can be quite something. Families come with lots of different backgrounds. Your own family has its own culture within itself. And so when we come together, it can be kind of confusing and complicated. There's good moments, there's bad moments. But the truth is, is that our family really is a gift to us. When it comes to family, Sometimes it looks like we settle for what culture's definition has been. Uh, We look at the small screen or the big screen to see what it says about what family should be. Maybe we settle for what we have known, we've experienced in our own families. And it's not always bad, right? There's not always bad things that come from those depictions or from what we came from. But we want to make sure as followers of Jesus that we're actually following what God's design has been for our family, his desire for our family, rather than what we just come up with on our own. And here's the thing, whenever we come to God's word, whenever we understand more of what he has designed and desired for us, we begin to really actually see and experience the family as a gift, that thing that it actually is in our lives. Now when God created the world, he created man for a reason. He created man that that we would nurture and protect what God had given us, his creation. Yet there was something missing. God as he creates, he says, it's good, it's good, it's good. And then he creates man and he says, it's very good. But even in the midst of all of that good, God says that something is not good. He says this in Genesis chapter two, verse 18. The Lord said, it is not good for the man to what? To be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him and so it's then in there that God takes the man and he says I want you to to name all the animals and I want you to find one that could be a, a true partner in this work that that I am giving you and so Adam takes and he names all the animals goes through them all and there is no partner suitable for what God has created Adam for Animals can be uh, good servants. They can be tamed, domesticated, right? But uh, they're not in for the partnership that God really desired, that relationship that God really desired for Adam to have. So Genesis tells us that he puts the man to sleep. He puts Adam to sleep, and out of a rib, he fashions a woman. And this woman really becomes that true partner in the work that God has created Adam to do. You see, here's the thing is this woman was not made from dust as Adam had been made, but instead is made in the sameness as what Adam is so that they truly can come together to do the work that God had called them to that good work. And you see, here's the thing for any of us. It's not good for us to be alone. And that's because we are wired for relationships. We're wired for relationships. When God made the man, he made man in his own image, in his likeness. And just as God relates with the Son and the Spirit and the Trinity, we too, being created in the likeness of God, are made for relationship. And we're not made just for a relationship with God, but we're made for a relationship with one another. And so it's not good for us to be alone. We're wired for relationships. Now, it's really easy for us to think of family. When we hear family, we think in terms of kind of a husband, wife, and children, right? Uh, We kind of limit ourselves uh, to that. And for many of us, the American dream is that. It's that we would find uh, some success in our career. We would uh, somehow have a comfortable life. We would have a spouse. We would have 1.94 kids. And we would have a dog. Um, and, And yes... A husband and wife is so necessary for what God has created here on this earth that we would continue to have children right uh, that would populate but for us we've got to understand that that God through the story of Jesus shows us that family is something more than just a husband and wife and kids now Jesus he descended from an earthly family right he was born of Mary but he was conceived by the Holy Spirit And while he wasn't Joseph's biological son, Joseph did claim him as his own. He adopted Jesus into his family. And so what we find is that part of God's story of what he's showing us is that Jesus' story means that family means more than just these biological uh, connections, but that adoption also uh, shows us something uh, of what it means to be family. And so what this means for us is good news, because what this means for us is that even those who can't have children, which is the story of some of you in this room, even those who've had marriages that are broken, once again, stories of some of us in this room, some who have marriages that have never materialized, and even those who've lost loved ones, it doesn't mean that you're without family. See, the kingdom of God has always been about this idea that that you are not family-less, David says this in Psalm 68, he says that God is a father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy dwelling. God sets the lonely in families. So what we have to see is that when it comes to God's word, according to God's word, family takes on a larger, broader scope than just this understanding of a husband and wife and kids, or, or whatever we've kind of boxed our definition of family into. Because God creates the family. God takes these these individuals and makes them a unit, and he brings them together to do what God has called us to do, to nurture and to steward God's gift of creation and this gift of life. See, Jesus, speaking of marriage and family, uh, said to the Pharisees in Matthew 19, verse 6, he said, therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. It's because God brings together a family and this family serves a role in our lives and in our formation and in our enjoyment of life. Friends, it's a powerful thing to know and be known by someone. And when your family is engaged in the way that God desires and the, the plan and the purpose that he has, it's a powerful way, it's a powerful thing for all who are involved See, here's the thing is that our family relationships can give us glimpses and tastes of who God is, of his love, of his mercy, of his patience, his his sacrifice, his belonging, his care, his responsibility, support, hope, peace, unity, you name it. All the characteristics of God can be seen and on display in our families. But when we we have to resist that temptation to make family the God in our life— Because if we do that, it doesn't serve the purpose that that it was supposed to. Instead, we allow God to work in and through the family so that we can experience the love and the goodness of who he is and that we can give it back to our family as well. See, this this relationship of family in whatever form it looks like for you is is God-ordained. It's a beautiful thing. Now, unfortunately... While family is supposed to be this display of, of who God is in so many ways, that's not many of our stories. Uh, we, we come from families that, that are broken. As a pastor, I've heard story after story of hurt uh, caused by distant, demanding, and demeaning parents. I've, I've heard sad stories of siblings who, who still lie and betray and even more, I've heard plenty of stories of extended family who have abused or, or even uh, continue to contrive enmity between different sides of the family. And man, would we be remiss if we didn't talk about the hurt that sometimes our church family loves to cause to each other, right? And none of that is what any of us, and especially God, had in mind for us when we come to family, right? Like, surely what he's desired for us is so much more than what we settle for too often. So what does this mean for us? If this isn't the way it's supposed to be, what does this mean for us is that this morning, we're confronted with the option to be different. We have this choice that we can make that our families will not reflect the way that they have been or the way of the world, but instead will be engaged to take more and more into this Christ-centered, healthy relationship that God desires for our family and it all begins by us changing the way that we engage with our family because family matters now most of the time you don't get to pick your family uh, you, you're kind of just born into it right you're given your family uh, sometimes you marry into your family and that's always uh, fun uh, in many different ways my mother-in-law's probably listening right now <laughs> anyway uh, at other times you willingly join into a family right this morning you chose to be here welcome to the family we're glad you're here uh, but we don't always get to pick our family but here's the thing is that none of it is a coincidence none of it is an accident it's because god has placed us in our families on purpose on purpose for purpose god's placed you in your family on purpose, for purpose. See, when God began to write your story, he thought that, that, hey, this is a great moment in time that he placed you right where he deemed was best for you. It doesn't mean that your family's perfect. It doesn't mean that it's all happy and cheery, right? But yet, this is the place that God has, has placed you, you, a follower of Jesus, that you would be able to offer your family something that your family doesn't have without you, on purpose. For purpose. And now we all know we're supposed to love our family. Um, Doesn't mean that we always like our family. I had a friend who once used to tell me that he loved his family, but he did not like them enough to go on vacation with them. And so there's something with that. And while we not always uh, may want to go on vacation uh, with our family, loving our family does mean that we're intentional, intentional in the way that we interact with them. See, our family matters. We've been given this family as a gift. And we're to live with that family with purpose and engagement. So if you've got your Bibles, I'd love for you to turn with me. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 5. Let's look at what Paul has to say as he encourages us to, to engage our families and what that kind of looks like as we do that. And so Ephesians chapter 5, we're going to pick up in verse 1. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love just as Christ loved us, And gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Down to verse 15. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So how do we intentionally engage our family? Well, let's look back at verses one and two, where Paul says, follow God's example. The Greek word about, that's used here about following God's example is mimetai, And it's where we get our English word mimic from. And so Paul is saying that we are literally to mimic God's character toward those around us. See, Jesus did this perfectly, wonderfully. Uh, He mimicked God's character to the world around him. He was God, but he displayed for us what this true love, this way of love really looked like. What does it mean for us to love as Christ loved? Well, he loved us so much that he gave himself up for us. And so for us, it's about living sacrificially, selflessly, and purposefully towards those that God has placed in our life. When we look at verse 15, how do we do that kind of thing that that Paul has talked about here is that we be careful then how we live, not as unwise, but as wise. Uh, We don't live as those who don't consider or care for our family, but instead we live with intentionality. See, the unwise, they live according to to their own way, to the way of the world, the wisdom found within them. But as followers of Jesus, we, as we're mimicking God, right, uh, we don't follow our wisdom in our way. But instead, we seek the way and the wisdom of the Lord above. We look to him, and this wisdom comes from us following Jesus, living under the grace and the guidance of his desire for our life instead of our own. Now in verse 16 Paul urges us to make the most of every opportunity and if we really took that to heart and we put that into practice then we wouldn't continue to be distant from our families, right? Uh, we wouldn't be unengaged because here's the things that time keeps on ticking into the future. Uh, the present is always becoming the past and and, and you know tomorrow isn't promised. So why do we keep allowing the the division and the discord, the distance and the detachment, be what our families experience from us? If we're to make the most of every opportunity, these these God-sized, God-ordained opportunities, we've we've gotta take them as they come before us each and every day with the people that God has placed in our lives. And then he tells us in verses 17 and 18, to not be foolish then but to understand the will of the Lord. And see, we need to understand God's desire for our families and, and those important relationships that he's given us. We need to, to have the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit, come and fill us uh, so that, so that we're, we're led by the Spirit and we live into the fullness of, of what he has given us that we make the most of the days that we have been given. Then Paul goes on to challenge us to consider what is that song that is in your heart? If we're we're speaking to one another, we're singing songs from the Spirit, what is that song in your heart? See, before we have anything to give, anything to love our families with, we have to experience the love and the grace of God. And if we haven't tasted and seen that the Lord is good, then we're never going to be able to live with a heart of gratitude. See, gratitude and grace, those two words in New Testament Greek actually come from the same root. They're connected. Gratitude and grace. And so when our hearts have been changed by grace and we live with gratitude, when it begins to help us be intentional with the way that we interact with our families because it becomes like the likeness of God to them in the way that we engage them. And finally, Paul writes in verse 21 that we are to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. This is so important for us to understand uh, whenever it comes to our family relationships, because here's the thing, it's not about a submission of authority. It's not that one person is over another, but it's about us coming with this heart of consciously and intentionally choosing that action of choosing to love another in the way that Christ did. See, Jesus showed us the glory and the character of God. And in the way that he chose submission to God, as he he did what was best for those around him, it all points to the fact that we should engage our families. Here's the thing, it's not just for any reason at all, but it's all for God's glory. All for God's glory. Here's the point, is that it matters that we engage our families for God's glory. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31, Paul writes that in whatever we do, we should do it all to the glory of God. Everything we do, all to the glory of God. And so not engaging our families, it means that we aren't giving God glory. That we're not doing the work that he wants to do through us uh, and accomplish through our families. We have to engage because it matters. It's necessary as we accomplish the purpose that what he placed us in our family for and has brought together our family for. So what are some ways that we can engage our families for God's glory? Well, I've got seven ways that we can choose to engage. The first is this, is for us to love unconditionally. As followers of Jesus, we're called to love our family members unconditionally, just as Christ loved us. And it doesn't mean that we're going to do it perfectly, right? Uh, but we, are, we we want to be purposeful in our love that we do give to our family. And this kind of love that God calls us to is characterized by, by the characteristics of God's love. It needs to be peppered with things like patience and kindness and forgiveness Paul talks about this kind of love in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 7, where he says this, love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs, love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth, it always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. So what would it look like for us to put this idea of loving unconditionally into practice? Well, it could look a little bit like practicing daily acts of kindness and love toward your family. It could look like showing forgiveness and grace, even in the really difficult situations of, of your family. And we're going to talk more about that next week, so come back. All right. Second is that we want to prioritize time together. Now, some of the busiest people I know on the face of this earth are me, myself, and I. And so, isn't it funny, though, like, we, we really are a very busy people. Uh, and, and the busyness of life, the hustle and bustle of life, it is so important that we do prioritize quality time together with our families. And I'm not talking about just the time that you get in the car while you're on the way to bar, ball practice. Uh, no, we're talking about planned out time. Uh, intentional time, set aside time regularly with your family. God's word encourages us to spend time together, to teach one another, to nurture one another. And so for parents and grandparents and those who are like parents and those who will one day be parents, Deuteronomy chapter 6 verses 6 and 7 encourage us in this saying, these commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road when you lie down and when you get up. So as we make this conscious effort, what would it it look like for us to prioritize time together? Well, it could look like setting aside that regular time, that intentional time, that quality time with your family, whether it be family dinners or outings or, or just having meaningful conversation together, but prioritize time together. Third, teach and model faith. So just like with the the Deuteronomy 6 passage that we just talked about of encouraging parents to teach their children about God and his ways, uh, we want to make sure that our lives are lining up, that what we are living like helps to teach and display what it is, what it means for us to follow Jesus. And so yes, this includes reading the Bible and discussing Bible together, but it also includes like living out your faith, letting those around you, your kids, your grandkids, your, whoever, someone sitting next to you today, let them see your faith in action. Now, even those who don't have kids or maybe they're no longer at home, I mean, what would it look like for you that if you were the one for your family, whether they're near or far, that, that people came to to ask for godly wisdom? That they said, man, you know what? I've seen you live a life that, that glorifies God. Can you help me in this? help me make sense of what's going on help me understand which way I should go what would it look like for this kind of legacy that you want to leave here on this earth Jesus tells us in Matthew 5 uh, verse 16 he says in the same way let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven so putting this into practice it could look like incorporating prayer scripture reading discussion about faith into your family's routine you can share about your spiritual journey with your family your story y'all stories are such a powerful tool so powerful and then strive to live a life that that glorifies god that reflects your faith uh, that shows that you do follow jesus because here's the thing no matter how old you are or where you are in your journey That is a power, that can be a powerful uh, point, a profound impact on the life of your family. Now a fourth way to engage our family is this, is to serve and care for each other. This is one of the reasons why God created the family, so that we would have that support system around us to care for one another, to serve one another as a need arises, and the Bible emphasizes the importance of this. Uh, Paul talks about it in Galatians chapter 5, verse 13. He says, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. And just a few verses later in, ch- in chapter 6, verse 2, he writes, Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. So what does it look like to put this into practice? Well, it looks like looking for opportunities to serve and care for your family members, whether it be some big way or some little way. And as you see that need arise, go to God. Ask, say, God, what, what would you have me do in this? I want your wisdom, Lord, in, in how to best care and support my, my family. And then here's the thing. Whenever he gives you the answer, act on it. If you feel that nudge of the Spirit, act on it. God's going to provide for you and for them in that moment. Now, a fifth way we can engage is to resolve conflict peacefully for God's glory. Conflicts are a natural part of family life. Are they not going to get an amen? But here's the thing. As followers of Jesus, the way that we handle conflict is to be different than what we see in the world. It's different than whatever we, we want to do. We don't fester and fume. Instead, we, we approach conflict with gentleness and reconciliation in mind. Jesus tells us this in Matthew uh, chapter 5, verse 9. In the Sermon on the Mount, he said, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. And Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32, he writes, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ, uh, Christ God forgave you. You know, how very different that is when we hear Jesus and Paul talk about the way that we're to to approach conflict, right? It looks very different than the world. And so putting this into practice could look like this, that when conflict arises, that we would seek resolution by having open communication with one another. That we don't just sweep things under the rug or avoid things, but instead that we have open communication, that we approach with forgiveness, that we approach with this spirit of reconciliation because Christ has done that same thing for us. And we all, here's the thing, whenever it comes to conflict, no one wants to do it. But as Christians, if we would come with a heart to God, open a posture saying, God, I need you to do this work in me first. How much more, how much healthy, how much more Christ-centered would our conflict resolution be? How much more peaceful and wonderful and loving and exactly what God wanted would it be if we say, Start with me. Start with me. Let me understand. Another way that we can engage our families for God's glory is to pray together. And I've seen this in my own family, that, that, this pr- that when we come together in prayer, it is a great unifier. Y'all, it brings comfort to our family as we practice this. Y'all, it's really hard to stay mad at each other whenever it's all of a sudden like, all right, well, it's time for us to pray, right? Ah, there's, just, there's something different about coming before the Lord of just laying out the brokenness of your family, laying out the hurts and the heartache, praising God for the joyous things that he's working out in our lives, these gifts that he's given. There's something beautiful about prayer. Jesus tells us in Matthew uh, chapter 18 that where two or more are gathered, he is there. It's a beautiful representation. And Paul encourages us in 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 5, verses 16 and 18, he says, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. See, there's something really special about coming to the Lord in prayer together as a family. And so putting that into practice, what would it look like if, if we established re- regular rhythmic times to come together in prayer as a family? Uh, what would it look like to, to just pray, not just for the needs of your family, but also to expand it to, to your kids' lives and what's going on in their lives and their friends? About a coworker at work or, or your church or your pastors or whatever, like... What if you sought the Lord together? How would that change your family? It would, I guarantee it. Our final way to engage for God's glory is to support and encourage one another. See, as followers of Jesus, we should be a source of of encouragement and support for our family, whether our family members know the Lord or not. It doesn't matter. Hebrews 10, 24 encourages us to consider how to stir one another up for love and good works. And it's amazing how far, uh, uh, just a small word of encouragement for something that someone's trying to do, how far that can go in their lives. Uh, I think about how uh, there have been those in my life that I've loved and had a history with that have had just that one small word that, that has helped the trajectory of my life change in so many great ways. And so putting this into practice could be us being intentional about supporting and encouraging our family members in in whatever their endeavors might be. And whenever you see something uh, that God is moving and working in their lives, just point it out. Show them. Encourage them in that. It could be us regularly expressing our appreciation for our family and and how that attitude of gratitude begins to change our culture of our family into a Christ-centered family. And here's the thing, friends, like, do not be afraid to ask for help. When your family is going through a crisis moment, do not be afraid to ask. Do not be afraid to seek out. Do not be afraid to be proactive in that moment, to find the help that your family needs to help move forward, to begin to heal, to find that hope again, to find the way. Seek them out. Support and encourage one another. So how do we engage? Here are some ways. Love unconditionally, prioritize time together, teach and model faith, serve and care for each other, resolve conflict peacefully, pray together, support and encourage one another. So which of these practices are you gonna implement this week with your family as you engage for God's glory? Because family matters too much for us to be disengaged, not be intentional to foster healthy and Christ-centered families. I mean, the, the kingdom of God matters too much for us to not realize the gift that our family is, and that God is using it as a primary tool for not just our formation, but also the formation of our family and this world. Let's pray together. Father, we are grateful. Father, so grateful for your word, grateful for your design, Lord, that you take and you place us in families. You do not leave us alone. And Lord, that you have wired us for relationship. Lord, help us this morning by the power of your spirit to understand and know and see that family truly does matter. And it matters enough for us to be engaged in it. Lord, don't let us sit on our hands, but let us be moved to action. Lord, to be your hands and feet with our family, to share your love, Lord, we do thank you for your love. And we're going to celebrate that here this morning. Thank you, Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen.